0: Christian Circle Podcast and you're listening to Pamela Fernandez where we have conversations about Christian living. Here's the show. Hi everyone, it's April 2017, which means in 16 days we'll be celebrating Easter. Yes, Easter is gonna be here in 16 days, so I'm so excited about that, but we're still inland at the moment. So because of that, we're actually gonna be doing um another podcast on the three pillars of Lent. Now, this is from Charles Johnston, um, our guest for today, who is also uh, a blogger, a very prominent blogger. You must have read his blogs at Now That I'm a Catholic. And in keeping with Easter, which is also a time for gifts, we're going to be giving mugs this month. Yes, we're giving mugs. And I know the copter was broken last month I don't know why it just wouldn't show up on the WordPress site so we're gonna do um, a raffle copter this time again but we're also going to use the contact forms so if you're interested in winning a mug for Easter then please send your name and email address to uh, through the contact form and uh, hopefully we will enter you in into a raffle and we will be giving one mug this month as a gift to um, our surprise winner, whoever that is. So without keeping you in the podcast, let's go over to Charles Johnston.
1: Uh, well, my name is Charles Johnston. I live in uh, Arizona, United States, and I recently uh, converted to Catholicism mm. after being a Christian pretty much my entire life. And uh, just, you just know, started writing, trying to uh, run a blog that I try to you know, connect with Regular everyday people.
2: Okay, right. So mm-hmm. you've talked about these uh, basics of the three, you know, this, these three pillars of Lent. So tell us, how mm-hmm. does this make us be a, a better people? Tell us about these three pillars.
1: Well, really, uh, Lent, when I was in RC, that's the process in mm-hmm. which you become Catholic, yeah. uh, they called Lent the, pure, the purification and enlightenment. And I really like that. And so I kind of keep that to myself. You know, as I, when I think about Lent, I remind myself it's purification and enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And it's really, you know, a time to kind of prepare yourself for, because there's such a glorious thing, you know, the resurrection of our Savior. So it it really reminds us of this glorious event that's coming, Easter. And it prepares us for just the way Jesus prepared for his, you know, his ministry beginning by 40 days in the desert. And, uh, you know, Moses was on the mountain twice for 40 days meeting with God. And Elijah walked to Mount Horeb to meet God, you know, 40 days. It's very symbolic to the 40 days of Preparation for something, you know, amazing that's about to happen, and you know, I can't think of anything more amazing than Easter.
2: Yeah, so
1: that's really an amazing thing. That's a good preparation to. It's through the darkness because Lent's kind of a dark time. You know, you, yeah. you know, a lot of a lot of people going and confessing, and you know, blah, penance and mm-hmm. stuff like that, alms giving and penance, and abstaining from meat and fasting. So there's a lot of things going on during Lent. And it really is. It's a good time to prepare for the light that comes at Easter. You know, you really enjoy light more after darkness. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's how it really helps us be a a good, a better Easter people.
2: And you mentioned uh, three things. You mentioned prayer. You mentioned uh, almsgiving. And you mentioned abstinence. Uh, First thing about prayer. I mean, I went through your uh, blog, and and I must say, uh, maybe no no one's told you this, but that you actually put all those things in that because I incorporated a few things and I remember you said the rosary was uh, you, you do minutes it never takes me 22 minutes <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's more like 40 minutes for me but um, well,
1: I got a quick one of my uh, one of my parish priests here yeah whenever you go to confession with him it's it doesn't matter if you stubbed your toe or if you committed serial murder it's the rosary is your penance, you know. So yeah. I got a little faster with the rosary because of that. Because, you
2: know,
1: it doesn't, literally, it didn't matter what I said. I thought the first time I went to him, he gave me, a, say, a rosary as penance. I was like, oh, man, I really, I messed up this week. But then the next week I went back and it was just like I lost my temper with my kids once. Okay, say a rosary. I said, okay, this just must be his normal thing, <laughs> you know.
2: So, so take us through the entire list of all the suggestions you made for increasing prayer.
1: Right. Well I had a yeah, I had a list and uh, after the initial when I initially published it <laughs> I actually forgot my favorite I don't know how I done that, but I forgot my favorite Lenten prayer practice and that's Stations of the Cross. So I really wow. want to start out with that one. Even before I was Catholic I loved playing the Stations of the Cross, just because it really it focuses you on the, the passion of Jesus, yeah. you know, the first through fourteenth station.
0: Yeah. I had the
1: pleasure of being in Jerusalem a couple of years ago oh, wow. in the Church of the Holy yeah. Sepulchre okay. and at uh, I think it was three or four o'clock every day the Franciscans lead a procession around inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre praying the Stations of the Cross, and that's just if there's something you can experience in your life, one pilgrimage to make, I'd have to definitely recommend that, but even through the streets of Jerusalem, they have the actual places, and it was, uh, I think with was St. Francis' is the one who St. Francis of Assisi popularized Mm -hmm. the Stations of the Cross for pilgrims that couldn't make the trip from Europe to the Holy Land because of the Crusades and Mm -hmm. because of the Islamic Conquest and stuff, so Christians around Europe would start praying them, and I always found it a, a great practice, and yeah. it really, you forget about it throughout the year, you know, you see yeah. them in church, and if you're Catholic, you see them, you know, in the church, every time you go to church, but yeah. you forget that you can pray, you don't have to just do it during Lent, but, yeah. you know, your, your parish usually tells you, you know, on Friday we're having a station of the cross service mm-hmm. at 6 or 7 o'clock, whatever it is, and it reminds you, And so I try to carry it on throughout the year, and like I said, it, okay. it kind of something that kind of you get busy with life and stuff. But yeah. It's something I'd really like to continue. It's one of my favorite ones.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, what other else do I have in clear prayer time? Set aside. Praying's hard. You know, it's hard to set aside time for prayer. Yeah. You're never gonna ever gonna get 30 to forty an hour of prayer a yeah. day unless you make the time for it because we all live busy lives. You know, especially I'm a parent. I got three kids here at home and it's just hard. You know, so I try to set aside at least twenty minutes okay. just for prayer. Dedicate that to God and then. Increase it as you go. You know, if, you, if you're already praying 20 minutes a day, try praying 30 minutes a day. Try mm-hmm. You can never pray too much, but we have you have to balance it because we're not, you know, we're not desert hermits without <laughs> the desert where we can pray 23 hours a day and sleep for one hour. You know, so you do have to kind of it's a balance. Everything's a balance. Rosary, that's a wonderful prayer. I, I've been trying to get, I've been trying to get more into. You know, it's it's very particular to the Catholic prayer. Yeah, so yeah. even though there is some uh, Anglicans and stuff that pray it. But that's something I've been trying to get more into, okay. like I said in the, in the post that yeah. you know 22 minutes yeah. is a long long stretch of time yeah. to dedicate to something because I try to do 20 minutes in the morning when I first wake up okay. so, you know throughout the day. I like the chaplet of Divine mercy. that's one of my favorites too you know, if you just listen to the words of it,
0: yeah. you know
1: for the sake of a sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and yeah. on the whole world. I, I think it's so beautiful. And when I first heard of it, Several, ago. you know, you see them signs. Jesus, I trust in you. you know, the image of Divine Mercy.
2: Yeah.
1: Here in America too. Uh, I was in Texas. I was in Texas at the time. I started noticing all through the hill country of Texas, you have these signs.
2: Okay. Just
1: like in every little town.
2: Okay. You know, they have
1: a billboard of the Divine Mercy image. Wow. A very Catholic area of Texas outside of San Antonio. <laughs> and I, so I started looking more into it, and you think it's it's like pleading for God's mercy. Yeah. But it really, when you really think about it, it, isn't it isn't pleading for His mercy? It's being thankful for His mercy. Right. His mercy is already there. So we're just, it's like the the Kyriele son during mass. Yeah. You know, the yes. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. I always used to think of that as like
0: groveling
1: before the king for mercy, but it really isn't. It's yeah. Christ, you know, you called the sinner, Lord have mercy. Yeah. You came to repair a broken heart. You yeah. know, it's, it really is. Christ has already offered us his mercy, so we're just being thankful for it. So that's one of the reasons I love the chapel to find mercy. Oh. And then uh, what else do I have there? Scripture readings, you know, that St. Augustine said, we speak to God through prayer, yeah. and God speaks to us through the Word of God, in through word. the Scripture. So I think it's, yeah, it's really great to try to read as much as you can, at least a few minutes a day, a, a few verses. And if you do Lectio like Divina, where you you know you focus in on one particular yes. verse, okay. you meditate on it. And uh, during RCIA, they they taught us to, you know, you read the verse,
2: mm-hmm. and then
1: you read it again, and picture yourself as a person. There in the audience,
2: yeah, Yeah. You know, that
1: Jesus is speaking to,
2: That's true. and then,
1: and then you picture yourself there, and then you picture the Jesus is actually. Now you turn it around the second, the third time you read it, yeah. you picture Jesus is speaking this directly to you. You're the subject of the conversation, and it really changes the way you read things. Yeah, you know, like if you read the story about the Samaritan woman at the well, and you yeah, think yeah. Jesus is talking directly to you,
2: yeah, I
1: can give you this living water. It really does. It changes the way you see different, see
2: yeah. you know
1: parts of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, another thing i had on there was daily mass that's something i really i'd really love to do but it's it's hard that's yeah. one of the harder ones because you know just taking the time to do it i guess it's possible for everyone to do because there's a mass somewhere yeah. in the morning but it's just it is a very difficult one that i'd really like to get into more i've only been to daily mass a few times but it really is nice and then uh, what was the last one it was praying for priests they're our spiritual fathers they're they're the ones that are guiding us on a daily basis you know the the teaching authority of the church is invested in the bishops, but they delegate it. You know, the priests are our our shepherds, a pastor. You know, that's what a pastor is. is the shepherd of the sheep, and we're the sheep. So we really ought to be praying for them. I uh, I started praying for my pastor. I should have been praying for him all along, but it was during a, uh, like a course, a continuing adult education, faith formation at my parish, and they told us to write down the name of one person that you're going to dedicate yourself to pray for that you aren't currently praying for. Okay. And the, the team leader recommended, you know, are you praying for Pastor Roberts, Father Roberts? Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I'm not. He said, well, you should be, so why don't you write him down? He okay. <laughs> so that's been my daily habit ever since then. And for my bishop, you know, Bishop Olmsted here is such a great shepherd in Phoenix. He wrote a, uh, he wrote a pastoral letter mm-hmm. last year, two years ago now, mm-hmm. into the breach. It was just calling men to be faithful mm-hmm. and to be engaged, you know, you got to step into the breach. And he mentioned uh, during one of his homilies, talking about it, that where Jesus told Peter, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. You know, the gates of hell won't prevail. He said the gates aren't an offensive weapon. That means that we're supposed to go to the gates of hell and storm the enemy. You know what I mean? Like we're not supposed to be on the defense. We're supposed to be on the offense out there trying to win souls for Christ. And that was really that really touched me. And so I really I, I pray for him every day, too. I don't really know the pastor even personally. Okay, okay, I shake his hand after Mass every Sunday, but I like to think that my prayers are, are helping him, <laughs> you know, because that's a pretty big responsibility. He's, uh, he's the head of the lead pastor, uh, but there's three priests. Now we just got a fourth one, actually, about a week ago or two weeks ago. And uh, they're missionary priests, too. They're from the Apostles of Jesus. They're uh, an African missionary organization. And I really think it's great that Africa, Africa for so long was the, uh, the territory that was being evangelized by the yeah. church yeah. and now they're sending missionaries around the world yeah. really it's a testament <laughs> to, the, yeah. to the global universality of the church
2: now these this entire list that you've had i know a lot of people will incorporate this and after easter sunday they're probably going to forget about it or you know they're going to slack off so how would you just making this uh, incorporating these things so that they stay on even after easter you know you have this, right. this prayer regimen even after easter
1: well, first off, is you know don't try to do it all at once. Yeah, that's number one. You know that's how New Year New Year's resolutions just fall by <laughs> the wayside by January second and third because everyone's going to be you know this great person that's going to do all these things.
2: Yeah. So, you
1: just you know just pick one, pick one from that list, mm-hmm. and just incorporate that. Once that becomes you know kind of ingrained in your daily life, pick mm-hmm. another one. You know, just add one at a time. We mm-hmm. got to develop them as habits. You know, yeah. modern society is so focused on breaking.
2: Yeah. bad habits
1: but we really don't talk about developing good habits
2: good habits yeah that's, that's
1: what you have to do you have to develop a good habit you don't you don't quit smoking you know quit yeah. doing all these different things all and you know go on a diet start going to the gym you don't do it all in one day you got to kind of ease yourself into it i think if you know, like for myself as an example one of my Latin practices last year was uh well because i'm catholic now no meat on fridays during Lent. you know okay
2: yeah but then i carried
1: that through the year and it's just yeah. become a habit that now, Friday comes around, I don't even consider eating meat
2: on yeah. Friday, <laughs>
1: just because it becomes such a habit. you know, it's nah. Friday, no meat. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing you got to do, you got to just kind of incorporate it into your daily. Set 10 minutes aside during the day to say the Chapel to Divine Mercy, just do it every day.
2: Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, we have this uh, practice, um, especially in Southeast Asia, Where at certain parts of the day, it's the university or the hospital or somewhere, they gong uh, a bell. Like at 12 o'clock you have the Angelus, 3 o'clock you've got the Divine Mercy. So it's just a constant reminder that, you know, uh, you're in God's world or or you're with Him instead of just being on your own, doing your own thing. So I, I think even in doing something like that, remembering at different parts of the day can kind of help.
1: Right, yeah. That yeah, and that's a terrific one. If you've ever prayed the liturgy of the hours,
2: yeah, it's yeah. you know
1: set times throughout the day. Yeah. that's a hard one. That's that's, that's expert level.
0: <laughs> that's
1: expert level prayer. Getting into that, but yeah, yeah they it have like set do. times. It is. It is. That's my uh, my local parish started on okay. Wednesdays okay. before Mass. They have uh, they used to have a rosary after. They have daily. Uh, they have. On Wednesdays they have uh, Eucharistic adoration.
2: Okay. And
1: then after the Adoration they pray Vespers. Okay. okay. And that goes on for about like an hour before Mass starts, Wednesday night mass. And I really think that's a lovely thing. They pray it in a choir, you know, one side of the church singing the one part, one side singing the other part. It really is nice. So yeah, that's something you can get into is uh, at every day at three o'clock you know, saying the Divine Mercy Chapel or saying the Angelus or saying something just setting yourself into kind of a rhythm. It's yeah. all about rhythm. Getting into a rhythm. Getting into a habit. Yeah. Once you develop a habit, because we all we're all good at picking up bad habits.
2: Yeah. You know,
1: everyone's <laughs> good. It's just human nature. You're good at picking up a bad habit. That comes naturally. So we got to start trying them as good habits, holy habits.
2: So why um abstinence so important then? I mean, um, I know that people will just give up something like an easy thing and then forget about it. But how does abstinence make us better?
1: Well, abstinence, you know, it's it's a form of penance. That's why. For years, in the United States, it isn't anymore on Fridays throughout the year. It's from that. But it's the letter that was written to this from the, the Friday abstinence, from meat, okay. said that they want to do it out of a desire to do it, not out of you know, sin, basically.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: it's they want you to choose it. That's why it's dispensed. You don't have to, but it's preferred. But you do have to. It's a form so you have to do yeah. on a Friday just to remember. Because when you're giving something up, and you're you're denying a, you know, legitimate good. It reminds you of the sacrifice of Christ. You know, he gave up the ultimate good. You know, he came down from heaven. He gave up, was it Paul said he, you know, godliness wasn't something to be grasped at. That he emptied himself and took on the form of a slave and humbled himself to death on a cross. You know, Jesus gave up everything for us just to take on humanity. Never mind the whole dying on the cross part. Just coming down from from heaven, he gave up so much for us. So giving up a little bit. It kind of, you know, it, it unites you with Christ in yeah. a way that it reminds you of his sacrifice. And especially on Friday, I think a, a Friday penance, a Friday abstinence is really special because that's, you know, Good Friday. Yeah. And every day of the year, just like every Sunday, it can be, a, you know, a mini Easter Sunday, Easter, a small yeah, Easter yeah. Sunday. Yeah. So every Friday of the year is a, a mini a mini Good Friday. So it reminds us really, it really reminds us to unite ourselves with Christ, to really unite ourselves with his suffering in a small way, you know, it's not having a cheeseburger on a Friday don't compare to being nailed to a cross, but it's just a small way to to remind ourselves of what Christ's done for us. And people do that with a lot of things. You can do it with, you know, Catholics have to do it with meat on Fridays during Lent. That's a yeah. rule. Yeah. That's a law, but yeah. you can do it with other things. Like people give up things like uh, sweetener in their coffee, or they'll give up coffee altogether. Mm. I don't know how they do that. Or <laughs> sodas. Uh, You know, different things. Give up watching TV and stuff. But when people start giving up, when they start using Lent as a diet, Mm -hmm. that's what happens a lot in America. They say, oh, I'm going to give up chocolate. I'll lose all kinds of weight during Lent. You're missing the point.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, you're missing the point. And another thing, too, is you can abstain from meat, but then eat lobster (laughs) on Friday. And that, you know, while you're still, you're maintaining the letter of the law, you're really violating the spirit of the law. Because another thing that abstinence does is it unites us in solidarity with the poor because meat for so many centuries was a luxury item.
2: Yeah, yeah. So if you eat, yeah, yeah, I mean, a lot
1: of parts of the world, in in America it's not. Fish (laughs) is more expensive than steak in a lot of places. You know, so it's actually me having a cheeseburger is more solidarity with the poor in America than (laughs) a piece of halibut, as strange as that sounds, you know. Yeah. but it's the truth but it, that's what it was for that was one of the reasons it was for for years was solidarity with the poor and in a lot of parts of the world people can't afford to eat meat yeah and it's yeah. good to remind ourselves of that that you know we're privileged to live you know I live in America where I can have red meat 24 hours a day at every meal a lot of people can't yeah and so it's good to you know be reminded of
2: that. do you feel that abstinence also makes you a bit more spiritually sharper like you know a little more um honed in on, on God's frequency and kind of more keen on the spiritual rather than the materialistic aspect.
1: Definitely. I think it does. It, it really, by denying yourself a legitimate good, so something mm-hmm. that, you know, not giving up, I'm going to give up this month, beating up my wife. You know, <laughs> that isn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, you're denying something that you could have in a normal, mm-hmm. normal setting. Like I said, coffee or sweetener or what have you. You're making yourself you know what I mean? You're denying a legitimate good, so you're kind of focusing your mind more on things, and not just on Christ's suffering and on the cross, but just on God in general. You're reminding yourself, when you don't have that, why is it I don't have that? It's for you know to, to sharpen the mind, and also, you know, the the church. If you look at Mass itself, just just look at the Mass during Lent, we abstain from saying Alleluia before the yeah. Gospel, and we abstain from the Gloria. Yeah. You know, we don't sing the Gloria during Lent, so on Easter Vigil, when they sing Gloria for the first time since, yeah. I guess, Mardi Gras, you know, since <laughs> Fat Tuesday, the yeah. first time you hear the Gloria, it's really, from not hearing it for 40 days, it's so... Yeah, it's so,
2: it's so beautiful. I,
1: yeah, I actually cried on Easter Vigil last year when I heard the Gloria, they started singing the Gloria, and behind the altar at my church, the, they had it veiled, you know, the crucifix was yeah. veiled with a big purple veil, and right when the 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 parish starts singing the Gloria, they pulled the, some sort of drawstring or something, and the veil fell down. Yeah. And there's Jesus, and we're singing Glory to God in the highest, and peace and goodwill to people on earth. You know, it's just, it really was powerful. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, that that abstaining, <laughs> you know, spiritually abstaining from that, yeah. even for, for, it just, it always strikes me.
2: There are a number of people now who, who will probably listen to this and say, Okay, I can give up this, 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 this. How would you suggest uh, when it comes to picking things to abstain um, or or abstaining from things, you know, to make it easier for people, whether you should be doing this only for Easter or whether you should be doing this for life instead of uh, saying, okay, I'm going to stop drinking for like 40 days and then pick it up again on Sunday. Um, You know, something what practical tips would you say? can make abstinence uh, a more meaningful or better, easier for
1: people? Well, the practice of giving something up for Lent, you know, abstaining from something for Lent, is really, it's kind of an optional thing. It isn't really required from
2: mm-hmm. by the Church.
1: Yeah. It's a thing that people do. It's like a personal piety thing. So then people start into the whole, can I break it on Sunday? Can I not break it on Sunday? And then mm-hmm. you get into the argument of every Sunday of the year is a solemnity, so yeah. you don't fast on the solemnity and all that. And it's, it's optional anyway. So if you want to break it on Sunday, go ahead. I just think it's harder if you... you I used to give up soda. I haven't drank soda in a couple of years anyway, but I used to give up soda every Lent. Mm -hmm. And the couple of times I did decide to break it on a Sunday, on Monday it was so much harder not to have a (laughs) Coke. It just makes it more difficult on yourself. I I find it easier just to go all the way through, just power through it. But if it's something you want to do, I think abstaining from things is definitely a great spiritual practice. You know, like the, the church in America at least on Fridays throughout the year, abstaining from meat is optional. But I think it's a great practice. I've been doing it for a couple of years now, or, yeah, yeah a couple of years now, just the Fridays throughout the year. And I think it really is a great, because it reminds you, every Friday, you know, I wake up and I, I get breakfast and I go get lunch and I'm at somewhere to get lunch and I say, oh man, I forgot, it's Friday, I'll yeah. have a salad. And it just, it reminds me, why am I doing this? Yeah. It, you know, it kind of refocuses, it's, it's just yeah. a daily, a weekly reminder. So I think abstaining from something you know, on a yearly basis is a good thing. I would recommend don't pick something, you know, don't pick, like, if you love coffee, don't pick to abstain from coffee <laughs> year-round, because that just isn't going to yeah. work.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you
1: know, so pick something that you can do.
2: Yeah.
1: Baby steps, basically. Yeah. Pick something you can do uh, and grow into it. You know, if you want to give up a certain kind of meat once a week, you know, you want to fast a certain, like, no chicken once a week, and then you can expand it to beef and pork and, you know, just... All the way around until finally you're not eating anything on Wednesday. You're fasting the whole day, or Fridays too. So just kind of work your way into is what I'd recommend. Don't don't jump in with both jump, feet.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the third thing on your list was the spirit of um, was alms giving basically, and right. I uh, I know that this has been a, a big issue because I know over here a lot of people are struggling with the economy and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's not really uh, out of the heart. You know, we do it with, with a lot of uh, grudge and and, mourning and So what is this, the spirit of almsgiving for Lent, the true spirit of almsgiving?
1: The true spirit of almsgiving. Well, St. Francis of Assisi said, you know, in giving we receive. So you've got to remember that Yeah. when you give, if you give with a, you know, not begrudgingly and not, yeah. you know, not, not expecting anything in return. So if you give to somebody and you expect something in return from them, you're not giving, you're investing. <laughs> you know, that's that's not an alms. That's that's an investment. So if you, it's like the, the old etiquette if you don't invite someone over to a you know dinner that you want to return. It was an old thing, but you don't you don't give expecting a return because that's that's not alms giving. That's an investment. I think the spirit of almsgiving, giving it's it's got to be you know Jesus said to give with a cheerful heart. Saint Paul actually said to give with a cheerful heart in Second Corinthians. You know, so we gotta we gotta imitate Christ. Christ gave everything for us. Yeah. You know? And we can't give away everything. We have families, we have obligations, so you can't just, you know, give it all away. I, you know, Saint Francis did. He <laughs> gave it all away. But not everyone's called to that kind of radical life of poverty. Yeah. You know, if you are, great. Go join, you know, the Franciscans, the Dominicans, go
2: you
1: know, one of the mendicant orders. That's yes. terrific if that's your calling. But we're not all called to that. So you gotta you gotta live within you got to give within your means. You know, you got to live within your means. You have to give within your means. I think it was in, uh, it might have been in Second Corinthians. Saint Paul was writing a letter talking about how they were taking up a collection for the church in Jerusalem.
2: Mm-hmm. And he was yeah. telling
1: them basically, don't outgive yourself. Don't pledge to give more than you can afford because then you're going to be in a tough spot. And we're going to have to bail you out.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: So you got to you got to balance it like anything. It has to be balanced. But you got to remember too that giving isn't just cash. You know, yeah. it isn't just money. It's, it's just you know, they talk about in the church a lot, time, talent, and treasure.
2: Yes, yes. So
1: you can give your time. You can, you know, you can volunteer at a soup kitchen.
2: Yeah. You can
1: volunteer at a, you know, homeless shelter, at a shelter for abused women.
2: Mm-hmm. There, you
1: know, there's hundreds of different things you can volunteer think, yeah, at. Yeah. In the church itself, even, you can volunteer. If you're good at, you know, teaching people the faith, you can volunteer at a catechist at your church. Yeah or to teach like a Sunday school kind of program or RCIA. You can volunteer at RCIA to be a sponsor to help someone into the church. There's a lot of things you can do with your time and your talent. Your time and talent kind of go together too because we give our time at things we're talented at. And then treasure. Treasure is a third in the time and talent. Everyone, it doesn't matter who you are, Mm -hmm. if you're living in abject poverty or if you're Bill Gates, you can give time and talent. Everyone can give that. Treasure, you can only give what you have. You can't give what you don't have. So that's why when you know the widow dropped her last penny in, Jesus yeah. said, look how much she gave. She only gave a yeah. penny, but it was still, in proportion to what she had, she gave everything.
2: Everything. Well,
1: she was like the Mother Teresa of the
2: Gospel. We should actually be incorporating this into our lives all the time. Yes. You know? But we just do this for Lent, and then we <laughs> the rest of the year happens to be I don't know, something else happens to us. So what what is stopping us, and how do you think? Can you give us some practical steps as to how we can keep going, not just for Lent, but throughout?
1: Right. Boy, that's a million dollar question, isn't it? How do we continue these practices throughout the year? You know, like I said, we're not the Desert Fathers. We're not, you know, monks living off in a hermitage somewhere.
2: Mm. No, we're not hermit
1: monks. We're not. We're not any of them. We're we're regular people living in the world. We're yeah. way people living yeah. our station in life. So we got to really. You got to live within your station of life. So we're, we're called to live in the world, you know, yeah. in the world, but not of the world. Yeah. So that's that's really the trick. Is we have to develop these habits. Like I said about habits, you have to develop them. Habits. You have to pick, you know, pick one of them. Prayer options that I laid out. There's plenty of other ones too. But I listed, you know, five or six. Pick one of them. Do it every day for Lent. When Lent's over, continue it. Now, after uh, RCIA, we were received into the church on uh, Easter mm-hmm. vigil. There was still meetings all the way up until Pentecost, okay. and it was kind of a time to talk about what happened and to kind of get in the rhythm. I guess they were scared that everyone's going to be like, "Okay, I got the sacraments.
2: <laughs> and never come back."
1: I guess that's, uh, that might be a problem. So they kind of like draw you back in, want you to keep coming, keep coming to church, keep coming to mass. Keep so they try to develop that habit of going to mass every Sunday, and that's mm-hmm. so that's. That's the minimum of what we should be doing. But this world that we live in, the the modern society has really relegated religion to the back seat. You know, you are, you are, you identify yourself as just everyone as you know, first your nationality or your gender or whatever. But we really need to be identifying ourselves as followers of Christ Mm -hmm. first and foremost. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the key. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian American. I'm a Christian man. You know, that's what, we really need to reclaim that. Because it used to be, that was the way, you know, religion was a very, a very public thing.
0: Yeah. People went
1: to church all the time. People, it was a very, now it's, you know, it's kind of like things that people, people don't really talk about in public. Yeah. I don't know why. They say, like, you're not supposed to talk about religion yeah. at the dinner table. Well, why not? I think yeah. we really need to reshape the conversation. And really, we need to start driving the conversation rather than letting the conversation drive us. So that's. that's... Yeah if we reclaim that identity for ourselves and continue this and say, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm going to, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to pray more, I'm going to give more, I'm going to fast more. And I'm just going to, I'm going to continue this on and try it. Like I said, do one of them prayer options, Yeah. abstain from one thing fast, fast one day, one meal, one day out of the week, pick a day, fast a meal that day and then give five bucks extra at the end of the week. Do that for a week, and then do it for another week, and just continue it. Just keep it going, you know?
2: Tell us a little bit about your uh, blog, and also tell us where we can find you.
1: Well, my blog, it's t- it actually started out a couple of years ago. I started writing uh, articles here and there for Catholic365.com, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, the funny thing is I hadn't written anything longer than a text message since I left school years <laughs> ago. So it really it kind of came out of nowhere, and it really started out as just me explaining to myself more than anything the reasons for my conversion while I was still in RCIA. Yeah. And just kind of like working through things and by writing them out, I kind of developed kind of a pattern of thought and developed my own ideas for you know, you can write things out and figure out what you believe by writing them. Yeah. And uh, it just went from there to I had a lot of friends and family that would ask me questions because they knew I was in RCIA, so they knew I was connected to teachers, and like, well, what does this mean in the Mass, and what does that mean in the Mass, and mm-hmm. so I would kind of make explanations. And stuff. People told me they like the way I explained things, so I just continued it and started okay. my own blog, and then I started a Facebook page uh, a couple okay. months ago, okay. and I do uh, daily, not daily, weekly okay. reflections on the Sunday Gospel readings.
0: Okay.
1: You know? okay. so It's nothing, nothing spectacular that okay. I've got. I'm not saying anything. I'm not a theologian. You know, I'm not developing new theories for The Bible, it's just, I try to explain things. A lot of people aren't going to pick up systematic theology, volume one. They're not going to go pick that up and thumb through a 400 page theology book. But if I can explain to them, you know, just in a couple thousand words or less, a couple of the different points of Catholic theology, it breaks it down easier, makes it easier to understand. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to reach the common man who's not a graduate level theologian, he's not going to be thumbing through, like I said. Theology and sanity, <laughs> yeah.
2: you know, and, and there's so many people who, who, who actually explain on those uh, levels, right? And then you, you, you wonder what they're talking about, because most of us lay Catholics are, are, are like everyday uh, people. And we're not really rooted in all, all of us, but we know what we're doing.
1: Right. Yeah. A lot of people have, haven't ever took a theology course in
2: college. Yeah. I'd
1: yeah. say 99% of the world's Catholics haven't. haven't. And <laughs> that's not a bad thing. That's just yeah. normal people. And they need to, I think there's a yearning out there and there's a longing for people to better understand their faith, especially amongst Catholics. But I'm open to all Christians. I I wish we would all work together more. It really is, it's it's a shame that we are so separated as we are. So I like building bridges. I like, you know, half my family's Protestant. So I like connecting with the Protestant and the Catholic side and everything and try to, instead of focusing on the 5% that we disagree on, I like to focus on the ninety five percent that we do agree on and work from there. But a lot of I think there's a real yearning out there amongst Catholics for a better understanding of their, their faith. And a lot of things too, a thing I run into a lot is when explaining, you know, my conversion process and I tell people, yeah, I converted and the number one question they always ask me is, Oh, you're married to a Catholic? And I say, No, actually I'm not. I'm my, my wife's evangelical. And then that always, especially a cradle Catholic, they they want to know more. You know that really that peaks their interest. So why did you convert? And it it seems like there's this there's this like candle, this light that goes off, light bulb that goes off inside yeah. them. Like our faith is worth converting to. Yeah. And it seems like it encourages them, and then encourages me too to continue doing what I'm doing to try to help people better understand. Like I said, I'm not a theologian. I'm not writing theology books here. I'm not doing anything like that. I'm just trying to help people better understand the truth, beauty, and goodness that is contained in the Catholic faith.
2: Tell tell people about your Facebook page or any other social media links that you have.
1: You can find me at Facebook at Catholic Convert 2016, or my blog is Now That I'm Catholic. dot wordpress. dot com, and uh, you'll find my links to Facebook and Twitter on there too. Okay. All
2: right. So I want to say thank you. Uh, So much for Green to do this podcast. No
1: problem. Yeah, I I, I had a good time.
0: If you'd like to get in touch with me, you could tweet me at Pamela Q Ferns. I'm also on Facebook at Pamela Q Fernandez. So see you next time. Until then, God bless and take care.